This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you were just tuning in, that was Kaylani the God. Yes. And she has a song called Jealous. And in the song, she talks about not being able to be around the guy because every time they hang out, he takes photos of their intimate moments and then shows it to other people to make those other people jealous. It's funny she made a song about that because the same exact thing just happened to her this week. What am I talking about? I'll explain. So Kaylani is an up-and-coming Grammy-nominated artist who has been getting very popular, and she dated an artist by the name of PND, or Party Next Door if you're nasty, who was signed to Drake's OVO, a.k.a. We Killed Meek Mill's Career record label. <laughs> In the 6th? In the 6th with the Woes. And they dated for about 8 months, and things seemed to go bad when Party Next Door dropped a freestyle that was titled F. Kaylani and aired their dirty laundry. They broke up. A couple of months later, Kaylani, with her fine behind, started dating Kyrie Irving, who was a star point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and a relationship seemed to be going very well. And because they're all pretty young, Party Next Door is 22, Kaylani is 20, Kyrie is 23, they post their entire lives on social media. And Kaylani posted a very sweet post about Kyrie, about how he was wonderful and he was awesome, and they mowed together, and she got a tattoo to signify that relationship, and it was beautiful. And then on Monday, Party Next Door... And all of his rashness posted a photo onto Instagram where you saw a TV with all sorts of wires because apparently he's never heard of direct TV where it's wireless cable everywhere. <laughs> Watching right. dope because he has someone else's Netflix account <laughs> and he's holding hands with somebody who has Kaylani's tattoos. And in the caption, the text says, after all of her shenanigans, that's right, the new word on Twitter, black Twitter, is shenanigans. After all of her shenanigans, I finally got the R&B chick back. She's back in my bed. And the amazing thing about all of this is that Party Next Door is was a huge fan of Kyrie Irving until he started dating Kaylani. And two weeks before that, he was in Cleveland with the Kyrie Irving jersey on, pretty much saying yep. F Kyrie. And you know, yes. because we are all petty and we love the mess, Twitter exploded with all sorts of nonsense, including funny memes about Kyrie Irving being left by Kehlani and left by LeBron James at the end of the season, about Party Next Door being a bad side guy. But then unfortunately, because Twitter is also filled up with horrible people with slut shaming. Mm-hmm. They called Kehlani a whore. They called her a thot. They called her a scallywag. They called her a skeezer. Every name you could think of, they called her. And you know what? She deactivated her Twitter account and her Instagram account. Nothing was said. And the next day it popped up. She had reactivated it. And she said, and she showed a picture of her in the hospital and said, the pressure got to be so big, I tried to kill myself. She then she deactivated her Instagram again, reactivated it again with the same picture and explained that no one was unhappy, that they, the breakup was mutual, no one got cheated on, you don't know what's going on. Deleted her Instagram again. Brought it back up, put that picture back up there with that long message and a picture of party next door sleeping by her bed saying, this man saved my life. And we can have a full conversation about all the craziness that's involved within that relationship, but that's not what we're here for. What we are actually here for is to have a conversation about mental health issues. Because one of the few people who says problematic things but makes amazing music, Joe Budden said something very interesting on Twitter that day. He said, you know what? I joke and I say all sorts of crazy things, but as someone who has suffered from, suffered from depression, if you listen to Kehlani's music, this suicide was not just because of what happened. Mm. There's been a lot going on, and we need to talk about that because we don't talk about mental health. And that is the conversation we are having today, mental health crisis in the black community. What does it look like? Why is it happening? And who is it, who is it affecting? Because it's not just mental health. It's also about suicide and suicide attempts and why we're not getting the help that we need. And it doesn't just look like Heilani. 
We're talking about transgender people. We're talking about people in the LGBT community who are putting themselves out there and maybe they can't handle the pressure. Maybe they don't feel accepted. And, you know, they they commit suicide because praying it away is not working. Going to church and having the pastor put some cocoa butter on your forehead and scream Hail Mary three times is not going to solve the problem. And when they talk, when they try to talk about it with their friends, their friends say, oh, you want to go to therapy? You're crazy. And after a while, things fall apart. So guys, the conversation we're going to have is about that, the mental health crisis and where do we go from there. But to ease into the conversation, because I know, or at least I need to talk about some mess, let's start with Kehlani. So the one question I want to ask about this is, a lot of people question her suicide attempt, and which is a really big issue in the black community, because she may, well, let me be careful how I phrase this. It seems to be like she may almost be a spectacle of it. But maybe that like was, a call for help. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And right. so what I mean by that, guys, in case you just tuned in, she posted the image of her in the hospital and then later posted the image of Party Next Door, which is the guy who caused all these problems in the first place. So um, I want to go to Jackie first and Selena. I mean, I think that regardless, so the what you're saying is that there was some skepticism as to whether she actually was trying to end her life or if this was just like a call for attention, which I think, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? If, you, if this is what's happening, whether um, you were actually trying to end your life or if you were just making, you know, a call, it's almost like a cry for help. I don't think that everything's right with you, if regardless of what the intent was, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that there needs to be a clear way for someone who's going through that, whether if it is that fatal or not, to get some help, um, yeah. which clearly she did not have. Um, so Chris Brown did say that. He was basically like, F that. Yeah. Kalani is looking for attention. There's no such thing as attempted suicide. And I'm paraphrasing, but he tweeted all this and he was like, I don't give a, if you don't, if you disagree with me, I'm standing strong with my man. What's the, um, Calvin? Kyrie Irving. Ky- Kyrie Irving. Yeah. He's like, I'm standing strong with him. He's one of the good brothers out here. She's a thought. She's just looking for attention. And a number of Get people. Urban dictionary, Reginald. <laughs> I'm sorry. And a number of people were like, oh, um, they agreed. They were like, yeah, Chris Brown is just saying what we've been all thinking and knowing. And I think the reason why they were saying this was because in the black community, in communities of color, there's no such thing as, you know, a depression or labeling, you know, being suicidal. It's just, you know, it's just like uh, you just need to pick me up, you know, like, why don't you smoke? Why don't you drink? Why don't you go to church? Praise we don't. Worship. Why don't there's no we don't really label anything and categorize it or take it that seriously so a lot of times people do think you're doing things for attention Selena, thank you so much for saying that because as it stands african americans are 20 percent more likely to report having serious psychological distress than non-hispanic whites and this is according to the u.s department of health and human services despite this they are five times less likely to request actual help for it and what do i mean that by that i mean going to a doctor and seeing if there's some kind of medication or seeing if they can get some therapy or just talking about it instead they self-medicate or they self-care which can be a good thing on certain levels but it's not always the best thing so when you're hearing those voices in your head you know maybe instead of going to pray for it going to the doctor and then praying afterwards well i think two things about that right i think number one um Sort of in addition to the conversation we were having earlier about like science and the, the importance of science, mental health is a science, right? There's right. a science of psychology, um, and you would go to the doctor 
if you had strep throat. You would go to the emergency room if you broke your arm. You should go to a therapist if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling so anxious that you're having panic attacks, if you're having suicidal thoughts. Like, that's not normal, right? And I don't mean not normal and, like, there's something wrong with you. Like, you're wrong. It's not normal in the sense that, like, it's okay to ask for help. Just like if you're waking up and you can't even speak because you have such a bad sore throat, that's not normal, right? Like, that's not how you should be feeling. You need to go to the doctor. So I think um, in certainly in many different communities, but just as a whole, I don't think that we view mental health, mental health and wellness in that way. Um, and I was going to make a second point, but I forgot. So <laughs> I, forgot I want to throw it to Liz. Before I do, I just want to say, if you want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Take it away. You know, I just wanted to piggyback on Jackie's comments. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And we see this, though, with Obamacare, right? Prior to Obamacare getting passed, mental health is not covered by insurance companies. It's like an add-on. If you want to go seek mental health treatments, seek substance abuse treatment, you have to pay for it out of pocket. And then when they're having the debate over passing the health care law back in 2008, uh, a big part of that debate is that mental health issues are, you know, no different than physical health issues and that they have to be treated the same for insurance purposes. And so now under the new law, all mental health and substance abuse coverage has to be covered by Obamacare or the Affordable Care and Patient Protection Act, as it's formally known. So there is a scientific understanding now that mental illness and mental health issues are equally important, if not more important than physical health issues, and that that's why insurance companies need to cover them. And that should be enough right there to tell you that we need to take them seriously because they are actually health issues. They are not something you go to church to pray away. Alyssa, you are killing it. I do want to mention, though, in 2012, 40.6% of African Americans relied on Medicaid or public health insurance in comparison to 29.3% of non-Hispanic whites. And according to the Office of Minority Health, that same year, 17.2% of African Americans were uninsured, so they did not even have affordable access to that kind of assistance. And in some states, that medic- when you can't afford Obamacare, you need the Medicare. These states are rejecting it. They're still in that same position i want to be very clear we don't want to bash like we're not trying to say like you can't pray and pray doesn't help but we are saying you do need to make sure there's medical assistance when you need it selena and jackie no that's true like and and i don't agree with prayer shaming at all but i think that in the black community we also need to acknowledge that regardless if people are just saying go to church, they're also saying just smoke a joint and they're also saying just drink some Hennessy. Yeah. So like when I mean, we keep repeating that term, don't just tell them to, to, to pray it away. You need to say all three things. Yeah. And I want to say that I've actually been lucky and blessed when my pastor encourages us to seek therapy, to go out. And like when I was, you know, being under his, being within that congregation, it's very therapeutic. And he'll be like, you know what? You need to go seek this out. Yeah. And not a lot of pastors right. do say that. Right. Right. I would I would more. assume that I mean I am not familiar with church I am familiar with going to temple and synagogue but I would assume that there's a lot of similarities there and I think that in some sense going to a place of worship is sort of therapeutic in a lot of ways right because for a lot of people you just need to go somewhere where you can feel 
um, valued and you can air, you know, you can talk about your problems that you're going through with someone that you respect and trust um, who can help guide you in your life choices. And for some people, that's enough. Right. And that's really great. And if you can use a place of worship like, a, you know, a sort of ser- therapy source, then good for you. But I mean, the problem with that that I see is that that's not rooted in science. Right. And some people don't just need talk therapy. They need cognitive behavioral therapy. They need medication. Um, there's a lot more. I think that everybody benefits from just being able to talk out their problems in general. And that's something that a lot of people don't even do. Right. Yeah. But to then get that sort of extended help that you may need, whether it's different types of therapy or medication, you need to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or someone who's medically trained to help you. Um, and so there is a huge stigma wrapped up in that and accessing that kind of help um, in the community and outside of it. And I think that that's something that needs to be addressed. And guys, if you are tuning in and you want to give um, a conversation point or ask a question, you can do that by calling 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. Two points before we go on break. The first point is a a study shown that 80% of African-Americans who are engaging and trying to get medical assistance or going to see a therapist feel that the average therapist is a middle-aged white man who will not be able to understand or have empathy towards their own personal struggles, which is why they don't go or they don't find it the most effective. In relation to self-medicating, I really wanted to like um, push forward on what Selena was saying because as someone who grew up in an, in an abusive, very dysfunctional household, I had some very serious anger problems. And a lot of that came from when you're in your house, you're being verbally abused and physically abused, and then people are telling you you're not worth anything, that you go to school, and the same thing was being, was happening there. I became very, 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 very violent. I was a very violent child. Um, and why? Because I thought that was the way you were supposed to express your feelings. So instead of pain, it was only happiness and rage. Those two emotions. And when, and a lot of people are functioning on that level, even, even as adults now. And it's very dangerous. Alyssa? Right. And, you know, I, just before we go to the break, I wanted to address the thing that I, we started off with about cries for help. A lot of people in the mental health community hate that term, right? I mean, we commonly refer to, you know, that kind of post of that as a cry for help. Um, but I was speaking to a friend of mine who is a therapist. And, and while I won't give you the entire thing because it's long, but essentially they say, you know, we shouldn't look at that as a cry for help. We should look at that as somebody saying to you, hey, you know, I've been through a lot right now. Staying alive right now is really hard, but just give me something to fight with. Give me anything. Just give me anything, even if it's a stick. And then went on to say, how is that helpless? It's incredible. It's like being a Marine trapped for years behind enemy lines. Your gun has been taken. You're out of ammo. You're malnourished. You're probably caught some kind of jungle virus that's making you hallucinate giant spiders, and you're still going, and you're like, just give me a stick. I'm not going to die out here. So, you know, Maybe we should also change how we think about this when we call things quote unquote cries for help and instead look at them as somebody saying, you know what, I've been through a lot. I'm not crying for help. I'm just asking you to give me even the littlest piece of stick to help me fight back against this thing that is that is crawling crawling and pulling me down amazing point Alyssa so we do have to go on a quick break when we come back we want to talk about the specific groups who have been struggling the most with the issue of mental health this is let your voice be heard we'll be right back after this quick break that's too much to keep up with we are back <laughs> let your voice be heard Selena's <laughs> gonna respond to you at two in the morning no I'm not <laughs> she's gonna tell you it's all gonna be alright <laughs> 
<laughs> we on the Ultra Light Beam. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the mental health crisis in the black community. And I played that song for a couple of reasons. One, I love it when that chorus hits. Oh, that is beautiful so music, even though that's a horrible album. No, it's a, it's a, it's a mad album. But anyways, right. but then also, listen, not everyone needs to go to a therapist or needs to be medicated or anything like that. But there are some ways you can cope, and sometimes you can cope with music. If you're having a bad day, music can change your mood. So for me, a song can really change my mood, and this is one of those songs. It's very therapeutic, but uplifting at the same time. So right. these are these are different ways you can like do self care, which are healthy. But um, we're back now. We have two callers, and I want to make sure we get to our callers. So we have Gary on the line. Gary, let your voice be heard. What's going on, everybody? It's actually Barry, Barry Cooper. Oh, Barry, I'm sorry about that. Nah, it's cool. So I just want to start off by saying I think that you guys are, you know, awesome for bringing this conversation up because I'm an educator and I teach in Brownsville um, and I counsel a lot of young men in the Old Boys School Eagle Academy. And when it comes to, you know, mental health, especially like in a black and Latino community, I think the biggest problem is, is that growing up in, you know, in poverty and seeing certain things, our ideology on mental health is so skewed because we see, you know, poor people who may be in the street, who may act a little different from what we consider normal. So everybody's conditioning is like to not want to go get that help. But mental illness or mental health is just like physical health. A lot of times people defeat certain physical illness because of the way they think. So I think that, you know, even going back to the sister who was dating Kyrie and going through all of these situations, it's definitely something that is rooted in her and it's like a foundation or something that she, you know, experienced growing up. And what we also lose sight on that is the difference between mental illness and mental disorder. Thank you very much for that. Yes. That was very good. I just wanted to jump in very briefly. As someone who grew up in East New York and Brownsville, the kind of attitude you have to have over there, you can't show a moment of weakness. And I know Selena said that when she was out there one time, her friend told her not to smile, and she didn't understand. But like that was just one of those things. You couldn't show weakness. To, so to even admit there might be something going on with you, that's a sign of weakness that puts you in danger. Shout out to Barry Cooper for that comment. And it's true. I think that when black people even do try to seek help, it's seen as an inherent weakness, as we're speaking about. Like I've told friends about my about my therapeutic sessions and my therapy, and they're like, like the reaction is like, what, Selena? You have a therapist? You're crazy? Wow. And whereas on break when I was talking to Jackie and Alyssa they were like in their communities it's almost it's very accepted it seemed as the norm and in some places I've seen it's as a badge of honor yeah all but people it, got therapists like right, my therapist right. Jason but, but you brought up a really good point before too is that like yeah like in as Jews like it's certainly expected that like we will go to therapy at some point it's almost <laughs> like it's like the status quo however you brought up a good point that the the therapists that we often go see are other Jews, right? And so it's more comfortable when you're going to speak to someone that can maybe relate to you. I Something I hear a lot from people that I know in my life that have tried um, seeking out therapies, that they found a therapist who they felt maybe didn't understand them, where they were coming from, or they felt almost judged by them. And, you know, there's a certain level of trust that you need. I mean, with any doctor, you need to trust that your doctor is providing you with the help that you need. And not every doctor is the same, right? So to be able to access health care and to access mental health care from someone who you can trust in that way um, is really important too. No, I absolutely agree. I know that we want to go to the other caller, but I just want to address this point that you were making about you know having to look a certain way or act a certain way so that you don't look weak and how that affects 
people in communities of color from maybe going to seek out treatment because they see it as a weakness. I mean, really, we need to take a step back and look at what that means about the bigger picture in society where, you know, I mean, we talk about institutionalized racism a lot on the show in respect to other issues, especially with respect to, you know, police violence, police misconduct, um, other issues that affect the black community, such as environmental racism. But, you know, we really have to this idea of like always needing to act a certain way and not show weakness like that comes as part of institutionalized racism in this country that goes back to even like to slavery, to the initial uh, black experience of being brought here from Africa. And so, you know, yes, we have to look at the specific issue of mental illness, but we should also back up and take a look at why people feel that stigma and how society's role or what society's role is and how this institutionalized racism plays a role in how people feel about that stigma. On that note, I'm going to throw it back to Stanley because I know we have another caller on the line. Alyssa, that was awesome. And we do have another awesome caller on the line. One of our favorites, Brother Omar, please let your voice be heard and thank you for your patience. Yes, salam alaikum, my brothers, and to your panel. You know, it's interesting we're having this conversation in the most stressful city in North America, according to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and many other uh, analysts. And here we have someone who's running for, for one of the highest offices uh, in, in in the so-called free world, and it seems like he has a lot of serious mental uh, illness also. I won't call his name out and disrespect your program. But it seems like when our young people are stressed out and when they, they have mental problems, the only way our society... Uh, seems to treat them, and uh, you you can go on your networks and and verify this. Is we incarcerate them, we put them in in uh, Rikers Island, we put them in all these different institutions in Central Islip. You take them and put them way up north. It's amazing how African Americans have survived here in North America, and we haven't been been extinct like our Indian uh, brothers and sisters, our Indian brothers and sisters been, been extinct by this this hip. Uh, uh, that we have to deal with, and this is a daily thing. This is not just a, a passing fancy. I have to deal with it as a black man every day in my life. I'm, I'm dealing with it right now as we speak. Absolutely. Okay. When when white folks want want to want to cure their uh, mental illness, they they have a country home they can go to. They have money to fly off to the Caribbean or take a helicopter somewhere. We don't have that. We have to deal with it. And we're here in Central Harlem, one of the toughest neighborhoods in North America. And it's amazing how we deal with it on a constant basis. And we're not thrown on Rikers Island. We're not put in Central Islip in some mental institution or sent up north uh, uh, five or six hours away from our families, and we can't go to see them because we don't have the money. Put yourself in our shoes and see how you would survive being uh, a European with pri- born with privilege, you know that, and put yourself in our shoes. You couldn't even last one minute. Ooh. I rest my case, my brother. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. You need to stop dropping this daggone mic in our studio, brother Omar. Just give me all I, I these totally facts. With so all what are you supposed to say after that? Nothing. I mean, I think that that's that he hit the nail right on the head. Amen. He definitely did. But you know what? Something I want to push back on the black community about is, like, this issue of mental health is very problematic. But the black community, even though we are improving with it, I think there was one group within that community we are leaving behind and we are not paying enough attention to as a transgender community. So a study recently came out of 6,500 transgender African-Americans across the country, and it found that while all transgender people face severe bias in housing, healthcare, education, and employment, black participants fared worse in almost every category. But not just that, 
half of them of the people surveyed have considered or attempted suicide at one point in their life. You know that the um, average life expectancy for a black trans person is 35 years old. Wow. And the number, there's this two causes of that. One being suicide, as Stanley just pointed out, coming from lack of access to jobs, housing, etc., feeling like there's hopelessness, suffering from anxiety and other mental health issues due to the fact that you um, are having, you know, suffering from gender dysphoria, not feeling, having actually a, a mental illness or, you know, uh, other anxiety conditions or just simply not feeling comfortable in your own skin and then being stigmatized by your own community where there already is a large stigma against mental illness within communities of color. And now you add one more thing into that, which is literally, and in most cases, it's a black man who's now transitioning to become a black female um, and, and also the homicide rate. The These communities are the most vulnerable and also the most shunned even within communities of color. And then to take that one step further, we have places like North Carolina that are passing these discriminatory laws that add insult to injury in that where now it's literally the government telling people it's okay to discriminate against you that you are a second class citizen and that of course is going to even make the suicide potential suicide rate go up yeah and this is not opinion this is not our ideology this is fact according to these same 6500 people surveyed 49% faced harassment. 21% dropped out of school because of severe harassment. 15% were sexually abused. Oof. And 6% were expelled due to bias. 41% of these same 6,500 have been homeless at some point, which is five times the rate of the general U.S. population. And 20% of them have HIV or AIDS compared to 0.2% and for the general black community. Jackie? Yeah, I mean, and even as far as this week, we had a... Yeah trans person who was sexually assaulted in a bathroom at the Stonewall Inn, which is for many people the birthplace of the LGBT movement in New York, right? Or at least like a huge catalyst for it. So even here in New York, we see violent acts against trans people and trans people of color. Absolutely. So this is a problem that's happening everywhere. Right. No. And and I just wanted to say that it has to be hard because as we pointed out, they don't really feel like they have a support system because a lot of times people and you, you know, if you're within the black community and you're suffering with some type of mental illness, they will tell you to go to church. But if you're trans, they're not going to tell you to go to church. They're not going to say, go pray with the pastor. That's not going to be the solution. That was absolutely going to be my final comment. So it will be where I close it out. It's weird that this this religion issue is sort of playing this double-edged sword because on one hand, you have people that are being told, and not trans people, just, you know, people in the black community that are suffering from mental health issues or mental illness are being told, you know, go to church, don't go to the doctor in some cases. Not in all cases, but in some cases. On the other hand, you're having religion being used as a sword as to why we need these discriminatory laws that affect trans people of color that are then causing trans people of color to commit suicide or causing them to be killed by other people because of the stuff that is being spouted by the church. So you literally have religion playing a double-edged sword role in this debate, which is on one hand, religion is keeping black people who need mental health treatment out of mental health treatment. On the other hand, it's causing black people who need mental health treatment the most to actually kill themselves because they're being discriminated
discriminated against by laws passed by governments because the church thinks that they need these laws. So yeah, really quick, you know, that's and I'm not uh, saying all religion is no. bad and you can push back on that. But my perception is, at least when it comes to right wing religious, is it, it's acting duly acting to negatively affect people of color that are suffering from mental health yes. issues and even more so the most vulnerable people, those people who are trans or gay. Selena? Two, two things. I just got a comment in that I want to make sure I give some time to. But I wanted to say it's not just only the religious aspect which keeps people, um, black people, from saying don't go to the doctor. It's also because at, there's an understanding that if we can survive slavery, if we can survive Jim Crow, then we can continue to survive 2016 and the new millennial. And you don't need to, you know, there wasn't any therapist to help the slaves. Yeah. That we weren't going to therapy when we had to sit on the back of the bus. This is something that my great uncle would say so why do you need why do you need a therapist now so it's not only from the religious aspect and I just wanted to add there's a comment coming in um so also there's also a lack of social emotional help and access when it comes to high school especially and especially schools in underprivileged neighborhoods Mm. so you don't have that guidance counselor that's reaching out to each kid and knows every kid by name you don't have you know a a, a space where children and high school students can feel safe to open up about the abuse that they experience at home and within their neighborhoods so again that is another very important aspect that is missing and that is causing so much uh, stigma when it comes to mental illness in the black community. I'm going to make this very quick. I had a very good friend who he suffers, he suffers and he suffers from depression and at his lowest point he didn't know what to do so he took a liter of Ray and Nephew and he went into the shower and he started drinking the Ray and Nephew like straight from the bottle while the water ran over him fully clothed and I didn't know what to do so I said you know what pour me some and we sat there and we drank the entire bottle which is not something you should ever choose to do in your life but I remember he and I were talking, and he just said, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I feel like I'm going crazy, and everyone is asking me, why am I being so crazy? And, you know, a couple of months later, he attempted suicide. Fortunately, like, it wasn't successful, but then he said something to me that was really profound. He said, you know, how do you think I'm supposed to feel where I tried to commit suicide, and I couldn't even do that right? And it was at that point where he said, you know what, I can't do this by myself anymore, and he got help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. Even Superman needs the Justice League. (laughs) So you're a regular person. Black people are not superhuman. It may seem like that sometimes, but we are not superhuman. There's nothing wrong with getting help. Hennessy won't solve your problems. Whiskey won't solve your problems. Ray and Nephew damn sure won't solve your problems. It is okay to say, you know what, like listen, mention, I need a stick. I'm in this rainforest and there's wolves and there's lions and there's weird bugs coming after me, but I need a stick because I can't do this all by myself. So when you're there by yourself, be strong. Interested, though I'm not.